Top of the morning to you, or afternoon or evening, whenever you may be listening, my name is Scotty and welcome to Chip Time, Season 2, Episode 24, two dozen episodes, and I am fired up for this one. Thank you for your patience, those who have been waiting for another episode, been a week and a half maybe, that sounds about right, but the wait will be worth it, people. We are bringing back the co-host of this show. I think it's only like the third time he's been with us here in season two, but very excited to have Mike with us today. We met up for a run, caught up, and today you're going to get to hear a recap of how his summer training went and how his peak races went as well. The good, the bad, the ugly, and also a big personal announcement for him too. Very fired up for that. We also talk a little Chicago Marathon, which was on October 9th, just a few days ago in the Windy City, a race I originally was planning on running. But I'm going to be completely honest, Pretty happy with how my 2022 turned out anyways, getting to go to my friend's wedding, getting to enjoy the summer without putting in those 18, 20, 22 mile long runs on Saturday or Sunday mornings. So I am certainly content, much more than I was in December when I had to forego that entry. But we do talk about a little bit of what we were expecting going into the race. And then on the tail end of this episode, after my discussion with Mike, I will provide some brief highlights of what transpired in Chicago this year. So much to get to, packed show. Happy to have our friend back with us. So let's get a quick word from me on behalf of our sponsor, and then we will get into our discussion with Mike. Chip Time is presented by The Amino Company. I know how critical my post-run strength training is to keeping me healthy, but I am usually tired and also focused on recovering from the run itself. Post-run training makes my body sore and decreases my recovery time, which keeps me from doing my best in my next run. Therefore, I've been on the lookout for quite some time for something that could both help with energy and focus post-run and also maximize both my recovery and performance when strength training. That's why I am so happy I recently discovered Perform from The Amino Company. Perform is an amino acid-based formula that I simply add to my water post-run. It tastes great and is easy on my stomach. You can check out all their science by visiting aminoco.com slash chip time. Listen, you guys know the drill. I am all about quality, quality mileage, threshold work, but also strength work in the gym. We're trying to stay away from injuries and just get stronger overall. But when I hit the gym, man, I wanna be ready to go. But at the same time, I don't wanna be foaming at the mouth using something unsafe or ineffective. And because of this, I'm pretty stoked at how Perform has been helping me lock in mentally at the gym and also get those results physically. Funny enough, I've shared with some of my friends at the gym what I've been using because it's been working out so well. Turns out a few of them were familiar with the product and some are already using it themselves. So if you're looking for a nutritional advantage when it comes to boosting your peak athletic performance, I recommend you give Perform a try. It's three times more effective on a gram for gram basis than any other protein source. And right now, you can get 30% off by using code CHIPTIME. Once again, 30% off using code CHIPTIME when you visit aminoco.com slash CHIPTIME. Now, back to the show. Ladies and gentlemen, it has been far too long for a couple of things. Number one, since the last episode of this has been posted, 
But number two, it has been far too long since the mainstay of the show, the fan favorite, the founding father oh. of the show has been here, the soon-to-be actual father as well. Let's go. Uh, Mike is back with us, and although our paths have crossed from time to time, it's been a while since since you've been here on the show with the people, so we have so much to catch up on, but just just starting here, a little vibe check. The people, I'm sure, want to know, how are you doing overall? How are things going? Overall, doing great. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm healthy, first and foremost. I'm not injured. I know, I think we've done a pod since the spring when I went through the whole Achilles thing. So yeah, since then, um, I would say I, I haven't been doing too much preventative, taking too many preventative measures um, as I should have. <laughs> so uh, leaving that door open for injury, but but no, um, been able to, to stay healthy through through the rest of the spring, summer races, and even into the fall now. Um, so yeah, feel, feeling great. Again, it was good to get out this morning for the first time with you, probably in, like you said, too long. Um, so yeah, enjoying this fall weather. Temps are starting to come down and leaves are starting to change. So uh, perfect, perfect day for some dirt road running. It was a good day for it. Birds surprisingly chirping. Surprisingly. Um, did have to break the rule there, which yeah. I, I try not to do. Mm-hmm. I try to be a man of my word, but did wear the tights despite the birds chirping out there. Uh, maybe just confused with the seasons or something. But, you know, despite that, it was a good run. We got eight miles on the old stomping grounds that, that we've done a lot of our long runs at. For me, I actually kind of felt better on like the second half of it. Yeah. Um, we, we probably could have gone a bit longer, but I was laboring pretty good at the beginning. And for me, this was my first eight mile run since the Crim 10 mile race. So didn't want to overdo it or expect too much of myself. And yeah, it was, it was a good one just to to get out there, but I think, uh, you know, we, we definitely want to catch up the people on how your summer training was because although you said you were able to stay healthy and injury free, I believe this was one of your higher mileage blocks. Mm-hmm. Um, was it more than your ultra buildup or, or was it, you yeah, know, more it, lactic it, threshold it, stuff? It was more mileage-wise, time on feet, than it was for the ultra um, build-up, just because I stayed healthy. I mean, I took six weeks off, I think, in that ultra build-up with that Achilles flare-up and, and all that. So, um, yeah, yeah, we we kind of devised the plan shortly after the, the 50-miler. Um, took a week or two off before we, I say we, I mean, me and Joe, we kind of went straight from the ultra into this marathon buildup. Um, for the Air Force Marathon in September. Joey Waffles. Joey Waffles, as he's um, known here on the, on the pod. Uh, so yeah, so the plan was to, to run the Ultra beginning of June, a second weekend in June, take a week or two off, um, and then jump into marathon buildup for, I think, 12 weeks was, was what we drew the plan up for. 12 weeks of training, I think it was 13 weeks total with a taper, so... Um, that's what we did. Uh, we went kind of the way we devised the plan um, is we went loosely based on just a, a Hanson's Elite program I found on uh, online, um, and then of course we put I put my little touches on it um, just to make sure we were hitting the mileage that we needed to, uh, building up to the marathon. Um, changed some of the workouts. Uh, but, but mainly it was just the long runs and like just making sure we got miles on Sundays um, to, to hit those weekly goals. Um, so that was kind of my first stab at, at really, I guess I'll say building a plan and following through on it. I, you know, I've built plenty of plans in the past, but I never really have seen them through. Um, so I think that just speaks to the power of having someone else kind of in your corner and training 
alongside you from a distance, if that makes sense. So, you know, we were able to kind of touch base throughout the, throughout the training block and kind of, I was kind of getting feedback from him and, and also seeing how my body was responding. And we were kind of tweaking the, the plan as we went, um, especially in weeks where we might have, have had a tune-up race or, um, or we were feeling just the effects of the miles building up, like, okay, we probably need to take a step back here. So, um, we learned a lot throughout it. I think it was great, and I think we'll probably run something similar with some tweaks. I'll have to look back at my notes um, for the next one. But uh, so yeah, that that took up uh, started I think late June, early July. Took us through. I ran the Steel Day race in Fenton, which was one of my favorites. It's a really hilly course, 15k, 9.3 miles. Um, I think I took fifth or sixth in that. That was a. It was a good. It gave me a good measure of where I was at. I wasn't fully fit, and you never want to peak, you know, early July. I think that was early, maybe second week of July. That's when Bastille Day is, yeah. Yes, yep. So they don't do it right on Bastille Day, but the weekend closest. So I, I can't remember. I want to say it was on the 9th. But um, that gave me a good that gave me a good um, indication of where fitness was at and how it was coming along. Uh, I think we were probably only about three weeks into the training block at that point. Um, so... Ran that, and then eyes were set on the crim um, about six weeks out from there. So, yeah, we were getting a lot of probably too much looking back speed work um, as a percentage of total. Too much? Too much speed work. Is as, that possible? As a percentage of total mileage, I, I know they, the rule of thumb is probably about 75 to 80%. Um, you want easy that last 25 to 20. Um, you know, you can really hammer it. But looking back, I think Tuesdays were kind of our, call them tra- track Tuesdays, um, although we didn't really do them on the track that often. And and this is where I have to step in because I took issue with this. There were more. There was more than one occasion where I was doing a workout uh, on the track on track Tuesday because I respect what that day stands for, and this man. Would, would to my face via text message say, I am doing Track Tuesday on the roads. And I, as a journalist, I just have to report this because was not too happy to see that. But you were doing more higher volume type lactic threshold stuff. Yeah, yeah. So this was, um, yeah, this was like a lot of interval training. Um, it wasn't a lot of start stop. It was a lot of you know, mile on, half mile rest at, you know, seven thirty eight minute pace. Um, so, so that's kind of how our track workouts were devised. And I really like how, how it had us build. I mean, we were probably doing like, um, say one week early on, we do like five mile repeats with a half mile off or, and then the next week you do like three by two mile and then two by three mile and then so you can see how just building on that for longer um, amounts of time just kind of brought the fitness through and all the while we had rest day Wednesday which was kickball night so I really didn't get a rest because I was working those big muscles sprinting at kickball I was coming into Thursdays which were our tempo days our lactate threshold days um, kind of feeling feeling like I, I had run a little bit too much that week already. Um, not feeling fresh by any means, but getting through those was a huge confidence booster because those were ranged from, I think anywhere from like a seven mile day, which was like a one on, one off, or one up, one down with like five miles of work. Started at about seven, and then we worked our way up to about 12 by the end of that, uh, at the end of the buildup. So you're doing 10 miles of work at, Threshold pace, which for me at the time was anywhere from like 6.15 to 6.25. Um, so those, I mean, those really boosted my confidence going into the crim. Um, so crim, I guess that brings us to the crim. I'll just kind of. Yeah, yeah. And I can kind of sprinkle in um, what I was doing building up to that. Because there were some similarities. For me, it was much lower mileage. The crim was was what I set out to accomplish a PR. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing beyond that. And 
I also took kind of a Hal Higdon training plan, um, which was nice, like you had with Hanson's, where mm-hmm. something was mm-hmm. laid out, and then I could just make tweaks here and there. Right. And he had me doing a lot of interval work on the track, um, similarly, where it would be 800 at threshold and then 400 rest and continue that. Yep. And then on Fridays, I was usually doing tempo runs. And what worked well for me was they were time-based. They were not mileage-based. So instead of saying you have four miles at lactic threshold, it would be kind of a stair step where you'd have uh, five minutes at like 640 pace and then 10 minutes at like 620 pace back to 640 for five so minutes. So would it prescribe the paces then that for it, you too, or it was did, it more effort-based? It did okay. prescribe the paces, but it was based on the data I was logging in all my workouts. That's cool. I like that. It was very helpful because it always, to me, seemed a tad conservative. I knew I could go faster, right? but I would build confidence knowing that, hey, for 10 minutes here, I'm running oftentimes faster than prescribed paces, 605 pace, let's say, and it feels controlled. Mm-hmm. And so I built confidence over time with those tempo runs. It was just a better way for me mentally to lock in in a time-based way yeah. than like, okay, I know for half a mile more, I got to gotta stick to this. And that is, it's just a mental games that we play with ourselves. I've done a little bit of that time-based approach in the past and it is, it's just, it's a different way of thinking about it. I mean, we, we come up, you know, from childhood and you're running distance, you're running for a distance. And when you, when you switch that to time-based, it really just tricks your mind. Like, yeah. And, and, and you kind of don't want to fall into the trap like you just alluded to of, okay, 10 minutes, that's like a mile and a half or, you know, 1.75 miles. I should cover this much ground. Yeah, just just focus on the minutes and get through it and then see how those accumulate, you know, by the end of the workout. And it's like, wow, I just ran eight, nine miles. Um, Yeah, so I'm I'm a big proponent of that. It was also nice switching shoes on those days. So for all my mileage runs, long runs, I'd be in the endorphin shift, Great stability, great shoe. Great shoe. But man, when I would switch to that endorphin speed or the pro on some <laughs> days, and you got that plate working its magic, you got a lighter weight shoe, you start moving, and I approximate about 20 seconds per mile of effort conversion, meaning to, for me between, personally, between what shoes? The speed and the shift. Okay. So for me personally, running a seven minute mile in the shift is the same effort at running like 640 in the speed. I think you're right on because I've, I've come to a similar conclusion just in that. And it's exactly that. I mean, 705 in the shift is about a 645 effort for me in the speed. It's a huge confidence booster and it's a nice like ace up your sleeve on race day. Exactly. When you're able to get out there. So... For me, taper week is all in the endorphin shift mm-hmm. and then just put on yep. the light shoes. So is that what you did going into the crim? Um, so into the crim, no. Into the, into the marathon, which I know we'll get into, yes. I wanted to have, like you said, that ace up my sleeve to know there was a little bit something there more to be desired. Um Instead of going to that, no, and then you know, because that's that's a huge risk. I mean, it could either be a huge confidence booster, you're running, you know, maybe six twenties or six thirties, or it could be like, oh crap, like I'm not as fast or fit as I thought it was. So um, we'll get into that. But with the crim, I was doing my Tuesdays and my Thursdays in the speeds, my easy days in the shifts, and then if I had like a marathon pace workout for a long run, I would do those in the speeds most of the time. Um, so anywhere from two to three days a week, I was in the speeds, and then the rest of the miles, I was I was in the, the shifts. Um, so that's kind of how I approached the block. But uh, yeah, leading up to the crim, I mean, then this is where it helps to have someone else that's going through the training plan with you. 
Um, you know, Joe and I, even up until a couple days before the crim, we're like, okay, how are we going to do this? How do we want our taper to look like? Like, this is a training week. Like, technically, we wanted to run like 20 to 22 miles on crim day. We only ended up running for 14, spoiler alert. But, uh, but how are we going to do this? Because we want to race. Like, we don't want it to just be a waste of, of fitness. Like, we want to taper. Um, but what does that look like as far as still getting training in? Because we don't want to, you know, sacrifice 30 to 40 miles that week just to feel fresh for the crim. So we ultimately landed on running, moving up our, uh, I think it was our Friday run to Wednesday and then not running our Thursday run, running our Thursday tempo run easy, but still getting the miles in. And then tapering. Oh, we must have run. We must have. Yeah, I think we you had, had two we days. We had two off. days of tapering. Yeah. So we, we tapered Thursday, Friday, and was ready to go for Saturday morning. So um, we're was feeling great. I think. I don't know if you've already kind of recapped the race or not um, on here for the people. I mean, I've kind of talked through, yeah, with my brother and, and his wife. We kind of talked through our races, just how great the conditions were. Yep. And, and I won't repeat my own, but basically the highlight for me was my legs felt much better than expected. Mm -hmm. And one thing I didn't highlight, but I'll say now, and I told you and Joe after the race, the Saucony Endorphin Pro just lit it up, was, was the perfect shoe for that day. And while the, the difference between the speed and the Pro is more subtle mm -hmm. than the shift in the speed. Right. I will say, in a longer distance race, if you can shed a couple ounces of weight on the shoe and you got the carbon fiber plate versus the nylon, even if that is only five seconds or so per mile, I mean, for this 10 miler, that's a minute of race time. Yeah. And yeah, so a... after tapering in the shift, and going to the pro, <laughs> it felt amazing out there. So that that's enough uh, from me, but that was the general thought was just perfect conditions, perfect race. And it was cool bumping into you at the start corral. Yeah, that was, that was, that was nice to see a familiar face. And um, I haven't, I've never run on a carbon shoe yet. So I, I've, I was, I was in the speeds. Um, I think I was in a fresh pair. I think I only had like 20 miles on them at the time, which is like perfect. Um, or maybe even 10. But anyway, yeah. That, so you spoke then to the conditions and how, you know, just perfect the weather was. It was not what it was like last year. Um, so I knew that there was an opportunity to, to race well. I didn't know what that was going to look like. Um, my goal was to go out like between... 6.10 and 6.15 pace. And then if I was still feeling good at the halfway point, get through the Bradley Hills, um, then I would cut down from there if I still had some left in the tank. So they, uh, they've they changed the course over the last couple years to where um, for a lot of the second mile, you're actually running downhill. It feels good. It does. So I think, yeah, mile one, I was maybe 6.10, 6.08. And then the second mile is like 6.06, 6.07. So I'm like, okay, I'm already under. I feel controlled. I feel good. But I don't want to burn too much here early on these early miles because I want to have some left in the tank. Um, so get through mile three still. I mean, still kind of clicking along 6.07, 6.08 if I'm remembering right. Same for mile four. And then I we get to the Bradleys. Uh and I was just cruising through the Bradleys. I mean, I was feeling, I was feeling good going up those hills. The legs were feeling fresh. Mentally, I was there. I was clicking. I was picking off people that had um, passed me in the previous miles, and I wasn't looking back. Um, so I got through those, and then got to the six mile mark, and I was like, man, I'm, I'm feeling really good going in these last four miles. Um, I think it could be a special day, like it could be a PR. So. Um, for anyone familiar with the course, you're running through the neighborhood at this point. And, you know, it gets a little hilly. Some of those hills um, sneak up on you. Ran past the old co-worker stand at mile seven. Um, got a little burst of, you know, energy and uh, motivation from them. Um, was 
continuing to pick people off, making sure we're running tangents, running smart. Um, a lot of people at that point weren't. So I was able to run tangents, pick off some guys in front of me, come out of the neighborhood, you hit mile eight, you're running uphill, still feeling really good. Like it was almost like scary. Like I should be feeling something at this by this point. Like I should be feeling tired and none of those, none of those like haunts from past years, like started to come up. Like it was, it was a new day. I never trained like this before either. So, um, starting to get a little warm out by this point and you got two miles left and I'm like, okay, you just got to send it now. Like you just got to go. So we're clicking off. I mean, sub six miles for the last couple miles. And it was just, I was telling Scotty during our run today, it felt like, like I had unlimited energy. Like you could, like I could have, I could have kept on going. Um, it was just one of those, one of those special days that you don't have very often and, and everything just kind of lined up and the stars aligned and, um, yeah, it was good. So I ended up setting a PR in, I don't know, 60 minutes flat and some odd seconds, 20 some or 40 some seconds. I can't remember. Um, uh, 604 pace. So, uh, PR to date, um, ended up placing pretty well too in the race. So, uh, I think just, it, it just proved to myself that you can't go in, you know, limiting yourself mentally. Um, just stay in tune with your body throughout the race. And, and, you know, the race plan went to, uh, went to perfection. So, um, do you, yeah. do you think you got any special powers from that Bowerman singlet? I mean, the Bowerman, the Bowerman singlet, I mean, that thing hasn't let me down yet. I'll say I've worked for pretty much every major race and I've, I've, I've had good races in it. It's, it's a nice lightweight, you know, um, even if, even if you start to get sweaty, uh, cause I'm a pretty heavy sweater or you, you know, end up pouring water on yourself. It, it dries pretty quick, which I don't like it sticking to me. I could have used that head on. Yeah. Yeah. It might be worth spending the whatever $80 for the Nike Aero Swift. Uh, I'll look into that because, um, uh, there's, yeah. a, there's a TV 14 comment, but had a little nip issues yeah. out yeah, there. Yeah. You won't get that. I mean, I think, I don't think I put anything, no band-aids for that race on. So, um, it dries quick, which, which is nice. So yeah, I mean, it was, it was just the perfect day for it. Ended up running the 5k with a buddy's um, daughter afterwards, just a little fun run. I think she's nine or 10 years old. So, I mean, we were clicking off like an eight thirty nine minute pace. So it was, Dude, that's legit for that age. And it was hot. <laughs> I mean, it got hot that day. So, um, it was hot by this point. I was there, crushing beers at that there point. There was, there was no shade on that 5k course and it was hilly. It was a tough little course. So, um, yeah, all around great day for the crim at that point and was thinking i mean i know you had made some comments to me even after that like oh you know you're in 250 shape or 252 shape. i was passing that on from charles okay. who is an expert so charles is, is the expert and, um i guess spoiler alert that didn't come to fruition but uh you know i was thinking yeah if if 604 felt that easy today I'm I have a chance at running sub three. Mm -hmm. So um, with the crim, I think we were about three weeks out from from the marathon at that point. Um, I th think we had one more big week, like a seventy mile week, and then we started shutting it down for like ten uh, ten days or so. Um, and I think that came back to haunt me a little bit in the marathon. I think just staying on and and maybe doing some some small tempos and just staying up with the fitness the, the taper was just a little brutal it, it was i think it, it came back um so we get to race day you know you're feeling fresh you're feeling good um i was telling scotty too that they had advertised the marathon as having a three-hour pace group to be able to qualify for boston so i was like oh great like it's always nicer to run in a group you kind of get that um pack mentality it makes it makes the miles go by. You're having a conversation. Um, you know you don't want to let the team down that you just kind of built up over this this marathon. And and so I was looking forward to that. I really was. And we get to uh, the start corral for the marathon, Air Force Marathon down in um, 
Dayton, Ohio. And uh, we see the three 10 pace groups. So I asked those pace artists, I said, where are the three hour guys? And they're like, oh, they're not here. I said, oh, I said, really? Well, I thought they were gonna have a three hour pace group. And he goes, no, um, we couldn't find anyone to pace the three hour. I said, okay, well, probably gonna be an uphill battle. So I think a girl overheard me at that point. She said, well, he's trying to run three as well. So linked up with this guy. I can't remember his name. Um, tall guy. And uh, just said, he said, I want to run three as well. Um, come to find out it was his first marathon. So I knew at that point that it wasn't, it was going to be an uphill battle, like I said. Not like, super reliable yes, to key off someone right, like that. Right. So we were kind of making small talk the first couple of miles. What was your longest long run? You know, what have you hit? How many marathons have you run? Blah, 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 blah. And I told him that my marathon PR to up to that point was like a 3.30. And I think I kind of lost some credibility in his site because I told him I'd run, you know, five marathons or a couple ultras. And so I Better think than his PR. I, I, I could just see the, uh, just cut, yeah, just he kind of let him down a little bit. Like, um, so we were going to try to work off each other. And, and we did for the first, I'd say 16 miles. I felt really good at, at 16. We were clicking off, I think 641 pace, just trying, trying to bank some time, knowing that naturally you're going to, you're going to hit that wall at some point and you just got to hang on. So I started to hit that about 16 Nutrition plan was to take one of those Humas, um, the plus, the double electrolyte gels every five miles. So we were both kind of doing that. I don't know what he was taking, but every five miles we were taking in some nutrition, taking water at every aid station. And uh, yeah, I could just I could just feel at 16 like, okay, yeah, this is, I've got 10 to go and I don't feel the greatest. Um, was able to hang on till about 18. That guy kind of went on ahead, kind of kept pace. And I started to struggle a little bit, starting to walk the water stations just to, I had walked one, I think, at the 13 mile mark, and that did wonders for my hip flexors, which were starting to hurt a little bit. So I was like, okay, if I can just walk, just let the muscles rest a little bit, stretch a little bit, and then get going, that I'm not sacrificing that much time. I think I had, we had a minute and a half of banked time at the half marathon and so i was like okay well 18 miles got eight to go let's try to hold together and then at some point i mean you get to 2021 and you start to see that three hour just kind of evaporate um you're like okay well i'm not gonna hit my a goal and at that point unless you have other goals it just, it's a kind of a demotivator. Like it's a it, snowball effect. Yeah, it's just, it's so easy to walk. It's so easy to just like kind of prolong that pain and just, I don't want to hurt anymore. I just want to be done. But also realizing at the same time that you got to push through the pain to get to the finish line because you don't want to prolong the pain either. So that was the mental battle I was having. You're running solo um, and you're trying not to walk, but it just, it hurts so bad. So... Uh, that's definitely a place I can work on, you know, looking looking forward to future marathons is just that mental knowing it's going to hurt. Um, I was trying to draw on that 50-mile experience, but it was almost like too much time had passed that I kind of had forgotten how much that hurt, um, which didn't play in, into my advantage as well as I thought it would. Anyways, um, kind of hobbling along the last few miles end up passing this guy going up like a, a kind of a steep like entrance ramp um he was walking and i i was told myself like just you gotta run up this thing caught him asked me how he was doing he ran for probably about half a mile and i just said i, I gotta get going man i gotta i just want to make it to the finish line so kind of walk jog run from that point on um you know anywhere from eight to eight minute to ten minute miles just coming in saw 305 come and go saw 310 come and go um and and uh ended up coming in at about 315 um so still a big pr it, it was a 15 minute pr so again i think i said in my strava post and i didn't want to seem like i was being a tough guy but i i wasn't disappointed with it it just gave me more information more intel for the future of what i could be doing differently 
Um, one of those being nutrition. I think I just had too much sitting in my gut to where mm. I was thirsty, but when I would chug like water at a water station, like it would just sit so high in my stomach that I felt like I was going to throw up. So I couldn't run at that point, even if I wanted to. Um, the other, the other thing would be, um, doing some more strength training, building the legs up some more. And then the third, doing more marathon pace work, um, for long runs and running, running longer, long runs, like going up to maybe 24, 25 miles. So not too many of those, just maybe one or two, but those are kind of the three things that I took from that day. Um, so again, back to the drawing board. I mean, qualifying for Boston, I'll, I'll say it's, it's still my number one goal. Um, so I will, uh, I'll continue to pursue that and, uh, hopefully we can get it here in the next year. So, well, that was still a, a huge PR and I think your assessment of getting information, having that experience under your belt, yeah. it's going to pay off. Right. I wasn't naive to the fact that, okay, this was the first really true marathon buildup that I actually saw through from start to end. Instead of, you know, I, I would usually get to like uh, week seven or eight and it's like, I kind of peter out a little bit like, oh man, like my legs hurt. Like, I don't want to push through it. Like I'll do, you know, a 15 miler in a couple weeks and then we'll see what we got on marathon day. Like I, we, we, we saw this one through. So I, I was proud of that. That was, that was good. And it just goes to show what it can do, not only for the crim, but also for your marathon time. So I think just, um, being able to push through that wall, building up those legs to sustain the pounding over 26 miles instead of 18 or 20 will go a long way, um, coupled with the other things I mentioned. So, And honestly, those are things I want to work on as well. Yeah. Nutrition, I, I just, I need to try some more things. Um, I need to really practice it in training runs as mm-hmm. well to get what sequence works for me. I was fueling about every four miles in my marathon a few years ago, and I don't know if that was too much or too little, but it didn't work out great. And it's it's definitely something where you need to see how your body responds if you're gonna know it works on race day. And I will say you have to be strategic when you're training, training throughout the summer because I definitely didn't do myself any favors I would sleep in on a Saturday knowing that I had a 20 or 22 mile long run and it was going to be 90 degrees that day and I'd still go out at 1 p.m. Um, so again, I, there's things I could have done differently, get my butt out of bed at, at 6 or 7 a.m. before it gets super hot um, to get those miles in because then I end up suffering and petering out and not getting my total miles in for the day, which you need to get in. Um, and also kind of a side note on those hot days for those long runs i get to the point to where i don't know if it was lack of water um or what but my ears would stop start popping like last two or three miles of like a hard effort um on a long run on a really hot day so that was it didn't happen too much during the marathon i could feel it coming on a little bit but it it I looked it up. I mean, there wasn't, I guess it happened. It's, you know, it happens to people, um, that exert themselves, um, over, a, over a extended time, but that had never happened to me before. So that kind of scared me. Like, am I going to pass out? Um, what's What's happening here? So again, um, I could definitely, you know, make some changes there going forward. Um, as far as training through the summer, but yeah. Overall, hey, it was a great year. I mean, it was the biggest year I've, I've done yet with three, um, you know, big races, some PRs, some long stuff. So just, uh, you know, some, some good stuff to build on going forward. For sure. And I think the challenge is we know the concepts that will help us get better mm-hmm. as far as that strength training and doing more marathon pace long runs. But finding the time is a challenge and and i try not to speak too out of two sides of my mouth mm-hmm. because I, I never want people to use an excuse of like i don't have enough time to be a right. runner right yeah. like if it is a priority for you yep. you can make it happen but at the same time we all have things in in life outside of running that are admittedly more important 
And it's so difficult to find that balance of where you can do this supplemental exercise because I think we both agree it pays off in it the does. long term. So yeah, that, that's kind of how I'm viewing this, these next few months, um, tar- targeting a spring marathon. Take the time that you need to take. I mean, your body just ran 26 miles at you know huge effort. So what do they say? A day of recovery for every mile that you run hard. So that's three and a half weeks right there. Um, so don't, first of all, don't beat yourself up. You don't need to jump right back into something. But also realize that use that time for strength training because you're not going to have as much time when you're in the heart of your buildup to do that. I mean, yeah, set aside maybe an hour or two a week to do it, but really use this time to, to, to build those muscles up. Um, I'm going to be doing some more biking too, uh, probably on Zwift, just to kind of build up those big muscles um, while also maintaining some fitness there. And, and we'll, we'll still run too, but, uh, but yeah, really just you know, take, taking it easy, taking my time with this and realizing that, you know, you don't have to get it on the first try every time. But if, if, you, if you're seeing progress, if you're, if you're, you know, meeting those little mini short term goals, then then you are making progress towards those bigger goals. And, and that's all that's all we're here to do. That's what it's all about. For me, I would say leg strength is mm-hmm. got to be the number one focus. My le- this has been well documented. My leg strength <laughs> has been booty. My leg strength has been booty, 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 rocking everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that has to change if I want to get to that level of marathon running over those hours it, it elapses in the long run. And so that's going to be an emphasis this winter season in the gym. And that's probably going to mean less mileage. Yeah. But rather than just doing upper body supplemental stuff, we got to get down to the old the old thumbsticks here. I don't yeah. know if that's a, a real saying or not. Well, you just made one. Boom. There we go. So in anything besides that spring marathon that, that you want to target here in the fall, any 5Ks or anything, or is it really like mentally kind of time to just enjoy chilling out there for a bit i think yeah just 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 really sometimes you need time away from running i I know everyone realizes that at some point or another but you're just i just been grinding for you know 13 14 pretty much since february to be completely honest um looking at those weekly mileage goals and trying to hit those so yeah enjoying it but not also not being too hard on yourself just like just getting out there enjoying this the the scenery you know with the fall it's, it's a great time to run um, and, and yeah, not, not setting any, any other goals outside of that, you know, and, and my wife's due with our, with our first child here in what, 10 days, two weeks. So again, knowing that that could come at any moment, um, not gonna, not gonna, uh, you know, pressure myself into running any races here in the, in the near term, but just enjoying it. Yeah. So some dad strength is on the horizon. It is, yeah. Yep. It'll be interesting to see how that supplements the performance along with the nylon plated shoes. Yeah, as well as the Amino Co. For sure. Yeah. All in on the Perform product as some of our audience members are as well. Very fired up on that. Yeah, I'm excited to see how that uh, changes my uh, some of my workouts. Absolutely. I'm in a similar camp to you, kind of, well, not with a child on the way, <laughs> so maybe not too similar, but with uh, kind of going through the fall just to enjoy it, decompress, enjoy the fall weather. We've got to hit mm-hmm. the trails some yeah. more. Yep. I'm excited to. Now that the bugs have, have likely died down, we oh, can get yeah. back on the trails. It's nice yeah. out there. You're shielded from the wind in between those trees and just a good time to enjoy running and support people that are peaking for a half marathon right. or a marathon. Yeah, of yeah which, we're, we're right in that I season, and it, it feels a little like, man, I wish I was in better shape, but it, it, it's a great time to just sit back and just, uh, yeah, like you said, cheer on those that have been training for the last few months. Um, they're giving their, they're putting their best foot forward, and it's exciting. I mean, with Chicago even tomorrow, I don't know when this is going to come out, but with Chicago um, this weekend, it uh that's exciting you got new york right around the corner so um yeah yeah. i think i think this is going to come out probably the day after chicago okay but we might as well drop in here connor mance yeah over under 
207. What do you think? I say over. I say under. I say he's going to be... I, th- I think he's going to be like 208.50. I think he'll be like 208.50. But th- they're supposed to have awesome conditions for the race, they're, they're saying right now. So the guy's just a machine. I mean, he, who else has the range that he has? I mean, outside of some of the elite marathoners. Like, who has that ra- the range? I No, I literally think no one does. Because, <laughs> because his range extends. Everyone says, oh, 5K, 10K. Mance, he's a strength guy, which he is. Yeah. But he's run 337 for 1,500. And he was fourth at the U.S. Trials in the 5K. <laughs> like, no one has the range of this no. guy. And hilariously, I think the issue for him with yeah. the track races is they're not long enough. <laughs> so, <laughs> so now he has a full marathon. And I'm, I'm going all in on it. For, for those listening, it's his debut. So that's why we're kind of setting an over-under. Um, he was the U.S. champ in the half marathon last fall in his debut at that distance. So it's going to be fascinating. And I could be dead wrong on this, but my prediction is 2630, or 20630 um, for his marathon, which would be about a minute and a half away from the from American, American record. Yeah. Um, but I just looking at his training at altitude in Provo, Utah, it's insane. And you know what it might come down to? Is that stash going to be above the lip or not? That could be, I mean, we're talking, so we're talking in, 15 seconds a mile. With like a, is he training with like Jared Ward and those guys yes. he, under Ed? Yep, yep. Yep. So they're, they're training under Ed Eyestone, um, BYU coach in Provo him, Jay Wardy, Clayton Young, who's with ASICS, former NCAA champ. Um, and, and they do a lot of workouts with the BYU guys as well. So, I mean, Coach Eyestone, he's, he's one of the best best in the business. I'm, I think Connor's going to be ready. I'm excited. I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, put a cloud over over the his marathon debut i just realistically that's what i think and it's always good to have an over under and uh see who wins this thing so um yeah i'm excited i i think in a, in a year or three he'll be ready to to take a, a real shot at that american record me too me too absolutely but it'll be fun to see his debut and and with this being released after mm-hmm. one of us is going to look really smart for calling <laughs> over or under that it's it's been a while since an american's gone under 208 so maybe i should have set the line there but uh I, i'm saying 20630 is is my prediction so we'll see how that goes but in the meantime it was great running this morning we'll definitely have to continue yes getting yep. out there um even even with, you know, no workouts or, or huge goals in mind right. at the moment. No. But we'll, we'll keep on doing what we're doing. And the last thing I think people are starting to get excited for is just a couple months away from the chippies. Yeah. 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 Yes. Just about two and a half months away from the chippy award, second annual. So Mark your calendars for that because we will be back in full force. We will be back and we'll have some maybe some new categories here. Oh, um, for sure. With some of these uh, women only groups that have just been announced in the past week. And uh, so, yeah. Taylor Made. Yeah. Yep. Taylor Made. Dilgy. That's a big one. Yeah. So, we'll keep it rolling. All right. Well, we'll sign it off for now. Thanks for having me again, Scotty. It's always a pleasure to be on this thing with you. You're welcome. Great having you back on, and we'll have you back on soon. All right. Chicago Marathon 2022. First thing I got to mention, I don't know if this affected anybody else here in the audience, but the network coverage NBC, they're, they're starting to get on my list, not not quite on the flow track tier of hatred, but they're, they're inching up that list. In the past, they have shown the race on NBC, on the national broadcasting channel, and so everyone has been able to watch it, but this year, 
they decided, and they did this with a lot of Diamond League meets at the end of the track season as well, they put it on Peacock Live. But fortunately for me, I had a channel that did show the race. The channel is called Telemundo. Telemundo was doing the Spanish broadcast live, and for whatever reason, my TV package has Telemundo, and so, yes, I watched the Chicago Marathon in Spanish, and basically, that's what I did. I watched, because I am not bilingual. Dora the Explorer did not prepare me enough for that moment but it was it was kind of interesting when you heard some english mixed in just when they would say chicago marathon or connor mance and and then you could kind of know what they were talking about if you are an english only speaker such as myself but besides that critique of nbc who who really is going that premium streaming service option the race itself, I'm not going to lie, it was pretty much as expected as far as the names who you would expect to win or do well, but there was really just, I would say, two main things that surprised me. We will save those for the end of the segment, but we have to start with the athletes who won the respective races the men's winner and overall winner was Benson Capruto of Kenya. And although he did not win the Chicago Marathon last year, Capruto, in my opinion, was the favorite here. He was the Boston Marathon champion in 2021. And if you recall, those races were a day apart from each other because they deferred Boston from the spring and so not any of the elites were really doing both there were some people Shalane Flanagan was on that world major tour who who did both back to back but the people who were really gunning for getting a W on a world marathon major chose one or the other and Capruto like I said was the Boston champion last year and so winning Chicago for him not too surprising. He pulled away with, with just a couple miles to go, maybe two or three. That pack kept thinning out, and, and he looked strong the whole way. So really no extra analysis to give there. And then the women's winner, of course, was Ruth Chepengadich, who won it last year too. And she was 14 seconds off the world record. So huge shout out for her. Obviously, kind of devastating to be that close because if you really think about it, that's like half a second per mile over the 26.2. Like half a second per mile, but you still got to shout her out. The conditions were really good for time-based efforts like that. She took full advantage of it. Her pacer did a heck of a job, and we got to shout her out for getting another W in Chicago. We do have to address the Connor Mance performance, which was outstanding. And we'll start right there. Outstanding performance. As Mike and I said, this was Connor's debut in the marathon. And I can't believe the kind of year this guy has had in 2022 being that close to making the U.S. team in the 5K and then jumping all the way up to the marathon. Finished 7th overall in his marathon debut, running 208.16. That is the second fastest debut for an American in American distance running history. But the individual who has the record, Leonard Career, is Kenyan-born. So this, in a way, was a record for someone born in the U.S. in their marathon debut. So huge shout-out to Connor. 
Um, very, very even in his splits. It's always kind of cool in the results. You can see where they were at through the half and then through the second half of the marathon. And he was like 103.45 and then like 104.30. So that's just about as even as you can be. An incredible race for someone hitting that for the first time. And I believe it put him number six all time on the U.S. list, if my research was correct. So like Mike and I both said, if this progression continues and and he gets some more experience under him, I mean, this is a guy who would, should we just write him in for, for Paris 2024 in the Olympic marathon right now? I would say if he wants to. We probably can if he wants to, especially with Galen Rupp kind of on the the exit trail from from his career, at least so it seems at the moment. So huge shout out for him. I also want to shout out Patrick Tiernan, the 2016 NCAA cross country champion from Villanova, a man who I have said, and I've been consistent on this, has the best arm carriage in all of distance running. You look at the form, Pat Tiernan, that arm carriage, they're not swinging around like crazy. It's efficiency, and and he just never looks tired. Pat Tiernan, 16th overall, running 2.11.02 in his marathon debut. So awesome to see that from him. He seems to kind of be stepping away from the track, but I've been a big fan of his for a long time and great to see his debut there. Also want to shout out a few of the homeboys, a few of the friends of the program. We're going to start with my boy Charles. You know Charles. He's been on the show quite a few times. Unfortunately, was dealing with some nagging injuries going into this marathon, but I mean Charles He's just a heck of a racer. He's got the heart of a champion, and he made the most of an opportunity going to Chicago. He he enjoyed his trip in the city and made sure it was a he looked at it as a life experience and not this all or nothing athletic effort. And because of that, I want to shout him out. He ran 314. It's not a PR for him, but but just to remind this guy, a year ago, this would have been a PR for him by two minutes. I think, I, I might be wrong on that, but maybe, maybe it was two years ago. But at a certain point, he was a 316 guy in the recent past, and for him to still put up numbers like that, coming off of some nagging injuries... Gotta shout out the homeboy there. And also, friend of the program, Jason Timmerman, running a 302. He's Mr. Consistency. And and this has been, you know, definitely, I would say, a redemption race for him. Although earlier this year, Jason ran sub three and he's run sub three earlier in his career. I know after Boston last year, where he finished a bit further back. He wanted to get a a higher result, a faster result on a World Marathon Major stage, and this is an outstanding result. 302, shout out to him. But to close up shop for our highlights of the Chicago Marathon, like I said, I wanted to bring up the two performances that surprised me the most. I got one on the men's side, one on the women's side. I guess we'll start with the the women's side because it's kind of an obvious one. Emily Sisson broke the American record in a time of 2.18.29, finishing second overall behind Ruth Chapengadich. And I I don't know why I was so surprised because we know how great of an athlete Emily Sisson is. If you've listened to this show since day one, 
This was someone we covered last year in Runners You Need to Know. She was a 10K runner last year, U.S. champ in that distance, and she has been back to the roads this year on quite a tear, setting the women's uh, half marathon record in Indianapolis in the spring, and now breaking the American record in the marathon. And, and I have nothing but respect and admiration for doing this on this level, this stage. Because a criticism, you know, if, if we're going to, if we've got to be objective journalists here, a criticism of Kiera D'Amato's former record prior to this race was that Kiera always ran the fastest courses, which were legit courses, but she would do these for the conditions in the times versus going up to the biggest stages like Chicago, Boston, the Olympics, the World Championships, and, and would really seek out the conditions rather than the competitive fields. So for Sisson to do this in, yes, great conditions, but in a world marathon major and get second place, which I think has got to be the highest finish for an American woman since Des Linden's Boston victory, uh, th this is massive for women's distance running, very exciting, and, and I think the only reason I was surprised per se, besides the fact that it, it's an American record, is because I thought it might take Emily, uh, you know, getting a marathon under her legs to, to kind of get that mentality back into form before going into a world record or an American record. But just like the 10K last year when, when she shocked the world, she shocked us again. Congratulations, Emily Sisson. And the last shout out I have although it was not necessarily a record-breaking performance, is Zach Panning for running 209.28, finishing 11th overall. Zach Panning of Hanson's Brooks trains in Rochester, Michigan, and just got to shout this guy out. We've talked about him before in the past, but I used to race against this guy. Well, I say that technically. I mean, he was so far ahead of me. I don't even know if I'm allowed to say that I raced against him, but I did toe the line against this guy back in my college days when he ran for Grand Valley State, and it's it's not all that rare to see Division II athletes make national and, and world um, success. It's not like it's never happened before, but it's definitely not common and the thing with this guy is this is success that has been born of consistent work over the last five years since we graduated. It hasn't come overnight. And I respect that so much. I think you see it more on the marathon stage than other distances is that it takes that time to build the aerobic base, the strength, the mentality, the, the racing tactics, the experience on the course. And for him, last year at Chicago was his debut. So outstanding finish for Zach Panning. I mean, 11th in a world marathon major is insane. So had to shout him out for that one. And I don't think his track days are over. I mean, he, he was in the U.S. trials in the 10K, leading that for quite a bit a few months ago. And, and just got to give a shout out for my Division II brethren. So with that, it is time that we wrap up the show. I know we went a bit long today, but we had been without an episode for a minute. So hopefully you guys stuck with us today. First of all, want to thank The Amino Company again for sponsoring this show and for their support over the next couple months. I want to shout them out especially because your homeboy took home the win at the Coffee Classic 5K for the second year in a row. And uh, after talking about some of these marathon performances, 
That definitely feels like a footnote and not anything we need to explore more. But hey, like I said, I've been thrilled with this product and think you should try it if you have not already. If you'd like to contact the show, leave us an email, chiptimepod at gmail.com, chiptimepod at gmail.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, leave us a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify. That five-star button does need your touch in. And if you'd like to join the Chip Time Strava group, all you need to do is follow me on Strava. So thanks for listening, keep working hard, and we'll see you next time. Oh,